Gira can hit them. Did oh, what a goal by Zoltan Gira! And still Baptista, yes! It's Kavai, it's fantastic! One front, David Villa, great finish! He's done just that, he scored! Juninho's done it! Kubu making another glimpse of goal here. That is terrific. Hello and welcome to a Streets Won't Forget podcast special, Mavericks. This series will pay tribute to those players who had the talent to mesmerise, to get fans off their feet and earn them almost mythic status. But whether it be because of a lack of effort or things out of their control, they never hit the heights they truly should have. Many have seen their careers lost to the sands of time, but we want to change that by telling their story. I'm your host, Dan Mountney, and as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, two mavericks of the podcasting world. It's Ben Woolley and Harry Martinez. I love how he always describes us as wonderful co-hosts, and yet I know deep down he truly doesn't mean that. Well, no, absolutely not. podcast with literally anyone else he would. (laughs) (laughs) Got to build you up. How are we, boys? Are we all good? Oh, good. Been looking forward to this. Yeah, we've got a we've got a new new series we'll be doing kind of on and off. Um, but yeah, it's going to be extra special. We hope. So, for the first episode of Mavericks, we're looking back at a player who, despite never playing alongside Diego Maradona, saw his career forever intertwined with that of the legendary Argentine. From partying, getting months of his life, helping the homeless fire alarms and turning down Europe's biggest club. This is the story of Jorge Mágico González, and it is truly like no other. In 1986, Diego Maradona was at the peak of his powers. He'd just won the World Cup with Argentina and was about to lead Napoli to their first ever Serie A title. Upon his return to Naples after that World Cup triumph, fans gathered at the club's training ground to chant his name shouting, Maradona, Maradona, he's better than Pele. Alongside him was a journalist, Daniel Passarelli, who was documenting Diego's life. Despite the adulation, Diego appeared distant, and when Passarelli asked him what was wrong, his response was simple. These fans are great, but what they don't know is that there's a player who's even better than Pele and I. He is Jorge Gonzalez, El Magico. Passarella asked who he was, and Maradona's response was blunt. Go and find out, you ignorant man. Carlos Valderrama was convinced he was extraterrestrial. There was just one problem. He could have been the best. He simply didn't want to be. Now, boys, I have to ask you, had you heard of Mahiko Gonzalez before we came up with this idea? Uh, Not a clue. Right. So, for context, neither of you know the story of his life and his career, but you have seen the highlights. Ben, would you like to tell everybody what you said after watching the highlights? You sent us like a 10-minute video. I thought I'd give it a little watch after work. And uh, within the first couple of minutes, I'd come to the conclusion that he was one of the best players I've ever seen. I cannot believe what he was doing. So let's start with the early doors. He was born... In El Salvador. Now we do love an obscure nation on this podcast, and I don't think we're ever going to talk about a player from El Salvador again. He was born in the capital in 1958, 
and he made his name as a fresh-faced 18-year-old when in 1976 he moved to CD Fass for 60,000 colognes, which at the time was an absurd fee. Now, the club were relatively successful before he arrived, winning four league titles in their history. By the time Mahiko left five years later, they had won double that number. Jesus. In 1980, he was so good for El Salvador that in the CONCACAF Championship qualifying stage, the team lost just once, and people started calling him a wizard. Mahiko was the top scorer with five goals in seven games. He even outscored Mexico and Real Madrid icon Hugo Sanchez. He featured last oh, yeah. episode as well. Yeah, unbelievable player was Hugo Sanchez, but Gonzalez outscored him. And they knew that at the championships themselves, a second-place finish would see them qualify for the World Cup, which was unprecedented for El Salvador. To do that, they had to beat Mexico for the first time in 26 years. And of course they did it, thanks to an inspired Mahiko display, which included an assist after running from inside his own half and beating four players. El Salvador were going to the 1982 World Cup. I mean, what a story already. Even if he went on to do nothing after this. That's an incredible run. Yeah, and against Mexico, who at that time and still today are kind of the dominant force in that area of the world. Yeah. And when they've got somebody like Hugo Sanchez as well, it was an unbelievable player. You're basically looking at the South American Tim Cahill here. <laughs> I th- you clearly haven't watched the highlights if you're comparing oh, him to no, Tim This is an I insult, have. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I, I, watched, I watched this morning, there was the highlight of... Um, do you remember... Have you, you know the goal that Glenn Hoddle scores against Watford where he takes on a turn and then lobs the keeper from inside the box? And I thought, you don't see that kind of goal anymore. Then I watched the uh, the highlight reel that you sent us, and literally every bit of skill tops it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> we'll, we'll go on to talk about its highlights at the end of the episode once we've told the story. But obviously, there's interest in him now, unsurprisingly. In the lead-up to the tournament, El Salvador played a rather odd friendly against PSG. What? Right. Yeah, I know. There's still no explanation anywhere as to why it happened, but it did. And they beat them 3-1, with a journalist saying that Mahiko put in the best performance he had ever seen on a football pitch. And that he played like he was driving a car and everyone else was on foot. PSG immediately tried to sign him, and a deal was agreed, but Mahiko never turned up to sign the contract. Why? In his words, he didn't like the French. (laughs) (laughs) all right one of my favorite players ever already i'm gonna be honest (laughs) pretty solid i knew you were gonna say that i knew you were gonna say that so at the world cup in 1982 el salvador lost all three of their group games including a 10-1 defeat to hungary (laughs) gonzalez was so good in that game despite losing 10-1 that some newspapers named him as man of the match i mean that's outrageous one loss in yeah, a 10 1 loss. Must yeah. he have been? That's going to be the only time ever that's happened. Like, I'm sorry. Oh, absolutely. What? This, this reminds me actually of a story that my, my dad went on a, on a, a bit of like a business away day football, like five a side. And um, they played against a team formed of Tesco salesmen, right? And they've been playing five a side for like six years. They beat, they beat his team like 8-0 and their man of the match was the keeper because he managed to it. stop it from being 30-0. <laughs> yeah, I, oh I don't goodness. think Mahiko got a man of the match for his defensive displays. For, from the highlights of that game, 
he just never stops running. He's just running at the defense the whole time. But every time he passes to somebody else, they let the team down horrifically. Like there's open goal misses, stuff like that. So I can relate to this. Like this feels like we play pro clubs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to call yourself Mahiko Gonzalez now on clubs. Yeah, I am, mate. I have Gonzalez. to give them all to Harry, and that's it. Everything's gone. To <laughs> well, after the tournament, PS3 tried to sign him again. Inter Milan, Atletico Madrid, Fiorentina, and Atalanta also tried to sign him, but he had an excuse to turn them all down. Whether it was the weather the people, the culture. There was always a reason why he didn't want to go. But in 1982, he finally did move, and it was to Spanish second division side Cadiz. Why? Because it's one of the hottest places in Europe, and they love flamenco dancing. And that was enough to convince Mexico to go. Oh, yes. <laughs> Imagine being, like, PSG, Inter, whatever, and you're like, oh, well, you know... If we couldn't lure him, no one else can. And then he's cutting about for Spanish minnows on like a like one percent of the wage. You're like, what the f is wrong with this guy? <laughs> you can imagine being in the meeting. Oh, Mexico's moved. Where's he gone? To the second division of Spain. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of like you know when you always talk about. Well, I'd never move anywhere for the money, and you kind of always say that. You know, I'd go somewhere where I get to play football with a bunch of friends or whatever. This guy actually did that. There, there was a quote from him that said he wasn't bothered about the money. He just loved playing football. And do you know what? I respect it because there's not enough players in the world who would say or do that. Yeah. This is probably the only guy who's ever said that that I actually believe in as well. <laughs> yeah. Even then, though, <laughs> there were still problems. <laughs> he turned up to his presentation 20 days late. The club had to send the police to find him, and when they did, he was in Madrid, just going from one bar to the next, which is true maverick behaviour. Oh, you can't help but love that as well, though. And things continued in much the same way when he finally arrived in Cadiz. He was drinking, dancing, partying, and predictably turning up late to training. But his teammates loved him thanks to his charisma and scarcely believable performances on the pitch. And they even had a bit of fun with his lateness, trying to find funny ways to wake him up. These included a Donald the Duck alarm clock that would quack until he woke up. And they <laughs> even sent a live band to perform outside his house, which is like <laughs> sitcom level stuff. You know, I'm going to be honest, I'm starting to see why Diego Maradona liked this guy so much. Yeah, true. He basically did what Maradona always wanted to do. We're going to come to Maradona very shortly because he does return to this story, does, uh, does good old Diego. His work ethic is best summed up by this wonderful one-liner. Running is for cowards. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing about Mahiko was that he loved people. He would often just roam around the streets in his spare time talking to strangers in bars and he'd regularly help the homeless. There's one story that involves an expensive jacket which was given to him by a teammate because when they'd go to the fancy club dinners or kind of club events, he'd turn up in shorts and a t-shirt. Oh, yeah. That's why he's in Cadiz. Exactly. I don't blame him. So he's given this jacket, and then days later, his teammate is walking around the streets going about his business, and he spots a homeless man wearing the jacket. <laughs> Mahiko had just given it to this guy on the street, and I think that shows a real heart behind the guy as well. Or just a lack of awareness. Like It could be that he was absolutely pissed. Either way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in his first season with Cadiz, back on the pitch, they got promoted to La Liga, 
And then back in the top flight, he scores 14 goals, which put him third in the top scorers list. And that included two against Real Madrid and two more against Barcelona, including one of those mazy, majestic runs that he'd become known for. He really was a big game player. He did it time and time again in the games against big clubs. Despite Mahiko's best efforts, Cadiz still went down at the end of 1983-84, but he'd caught the admiring eyes of Barcelona, who at that time had a certain Diego Maradona in their ranks. However, oh, here we they go. weren't willing to take a gamble on such an unpredictable character, so they used their 1984 preseason tour as a kind of makeshift trial for Gonzalez. During the games that preseason, fans and journalists claimed that it was like watching two Maradonas when Mahiko and Diego played together. But ironically, it would be Diego who brought, brought things crashing down for Gonzalez. One night, Maradona decided to set off a fire alarm at the team hotel as a prank. All the Barcelona players gathered outside the hotel, but one was missing. Of course, it was Mahiko Gonzalez. When manager Cesar Luis Menotti finally got up to Mahiko's room, he found him passed out on the bed. Alongside him, two of the hotel's waitresses. <laughs> when Menotti oh. asked how he got the girls past security into the room, he replied, and this is excellent, they do say I'm a wizard. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry, if he said that to me as I'm the manager, I'm, I'm letting him off the hook there and then. I wanted to ask you this question. So obviously we know about his talents, but also kind of all the, the antics and living life to the fullest. As a manager, would you tolerate him in your team? I think if you're, if you're winning games week in, week out because of him, you have to. You have to. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it's like QPR with Tarat, isn't it? Like, you know yeah. he's going to win yeah. you games. But yeah. like QPR with Tarat, you know that at some point, when the wins stop coming or the form takes a bit of a dive, all of a sudden then he's just a problem. And I think that's yeah. always going to be played at the back of your mind. But you'll still get at least a couple of months out of him being one of the best players in the league. Like, you know at some point he's going to come crashing down. At that point, sell him or just let him go to South America, whatever. But yeah. for that period of time, you know he's going to be unbeatable. The, the thing about him is, with these Maverick players, on some of the occasions you find that when they're on the pitch, they perform one week and then are anonymous the next. But with this guy, it seemed like every week it's he was just able to yeah. turn it on and win games on his own, seemingly. I guess it depends on what, you know, Tarapt wouldn't have succeeded at QPR unless Neil Warnock was the manager there. You know, if he had, or, yeah. like if, or Harry Redknapp was the manager, if, they, if other people were in charge, he never would have succeeded because they wouldn't have accepted. But you have to be in the right place at the right time with a player like that. Yeah, you have to find that manager who's going to almost indulge your way of living and your laziness and your lack of effort. And it's funny you say that. So he was sent back to Cadiz after the, the hotel incident. I don't know whether the women went with him, but either way. <laughs> he found another two on his way back. When he got back to Cadiz, there was a new manager in charge, and he didn't fancy him at all. And he refused to play him. Yeah. This was despite demands from the fans who held up banners that read, those who don't like Mahiko don't even like their own mother. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, though. If there's one group of people you should not listen to as a manager, it's the fans. Fans know f all about football. <laughs> yeah, but at third level of Spanish football, you need fans, otherwise you are going bankrupt. I mean, they're in the top division at this point, but he should still absolutely be playing. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. This is why like, the guy's not playing him. I mean, I'm I'm putting him on the team sheet. Don't get me wrong. He's the but, first name on the team sheet for me. I yeah, love that's what I'm saying. Like, like it depends what kind of manager you are. I think if he's just come back from Barcelona and they've kicked him out for being kind of a record, you probably you've got some question marks over him at that point. I think even if he is as good as Maradona. I'd love to see a player like this with a manager like, for example, Felix Magath. You know, that kind of player, that kind of manager that might commit <laughs> assault if he actually sees him anywhere. Yeah, give him to Big Dunk for a season. <laughs> Can you imagine? How many times do you see like a new manager come in and they've got like this talismanic maverick player and they just don't play them and they try and have this, you know, structured system without any creativity and then they get sacked and then the player's back in with the next manager and things take off. Like it, it's like they never learn from their mistakes. I mean, Louis no. Van Gaal's made a career out of doing that. So yeah, true. This is true. So Caddy ship him off to Real Valladolid, but after just nine matches, the club are upset with his discipline, and Mahiko, like the wizard he was, disappeared. How are you signing this guy and not realizing that you're not going to have good discipline? Like, surely, yeah, th- like, come on. that's the caveat to agreeing yeah. a contract with this bloke. Is like, right, you might not turn up to training, but as long as you're there on match day, who gives a? There's f- a funny detail about contracts coming up. We'll get to that shortly. <laughs> you need to give him like a a club chaperone, like a James Milner, who's going to be like, all right, mate, you've had two pints. Come on, let's go home. Yeah, like like when they caught ordered, ordered a court ordered Andy Carroll to live with Kevin Nolan. Like, yeah, you need exactly that. Like that. <laughs> so Mahiko goes missing, and according to him, he is unsure what happened next. All he recalls is that months after leaving Valladolid, he wakes up in Los Angeles with vague memories of being in Tijuana, Mexico. He remembered little to nothing else, and to this day, he still doesn't know what happened. How mad is that? What? <laughs> he, he's either had an unbelievable bender, or a great time like Maldorama said, he was taken back by his home people, the extraterrestrials. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a great chance. theory that we need to start. <laughs> that's where he's gone, and that's where Messi was conceived. Yeah, he's some like footballing robot Terminator, and they had to update his operating software while he was... Off for a month. <laughs> we have unraveled one of football's great mysteries. <laughs> they noticed the flaw is that he never actually wants to do anything in football, but he's very good at it. So they bring him back and tweak it a little bit and send him <laughs> back down. <laughs> yeah, the the code they got from him they put into Haaland now. It's if Haaland could do the things that Marco Gonzalez would do, there would be no player better than him ever for the rest of time. Could you imagine? A man of that size and strength with his finishing and Gonzalez's dribbling and skills. Oh, my word. There'd be no point playing the Premier League season. You may as well just give it to City. Yeah. Watching the highlights, I found him quite similar to Ronaldinho. Yeah. I was thinking he's that, like, really skillful player, but as Dan was saying, like, he does it full tilt all the time and then has so much end product at the end, it's mad. So, after his little jaunt to LA slash Tijuana, Mexico, and nowhere else, yeah, <laughs> he goes back to Cadiz for a second spell in 1986. During that second spell, the club added clauses into his contract in an effort to improve his discipline. He breached these clauses so many times that over a number of years, they didn't pay him his wages, not a single penny because he was being fined more than he was earning. <laughs> He's basically Jordan Henderson. With slightly less skill. <laughs> yeah. 
instead of the master of the sideways pass, he's the master of disappearing. Much like Jordan <laughs> Henderson. He would stay with the Andalusian club until 1991, when after 58 goals in 194 league games, he returned to El Salvador, and he would eventually retire aged 41 in 1999. Mahico was given the highest honour in El Salvador, and the national stadium was named after him. He was actually one of the only players ever to have a stadium named after him while he was still alive. But he now reportedly works as a taxi driver in El Salvador. And when people ask him if he is Mexico Gonzalez, he responds, no, magicians do magic. I drive a taxi. They did say when he was playing football, it was like he had a car and everyone else had a, was running. So there you go. <laughs> He's just taking out the taxi. It's, it's a weirdly like appropriate thing for that one of the adverts we were talking about last uh, episode. In the adverse episode. They should have taken Gabriel Lecar out the Barcelona lad taxi and put Mahiko Gonzalez in there. Yeah. Cantona's coming to pick him for the like the final game. Boy, do you know I've found <laughs> I've found our summer special episodes. It's gonna be hunting Mahiko and we're just gonna do like five episodes of us trawling around El Salvador trying to find this taxi driver. I cannot think of three people less suited to go hunting for hey, someone that, in El Salvador. You know, the, the brilliant great. thing is in order to find Mahiko, you've got to behave like Mahiko, so I don't think we're coming home. <laughs> Hang on, hang on. Isn't El Salvador the murder capital of the world? There's only one way to find out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? F- it, let's go. We're booking the tickets after this. Surely if it is. I, do you know what? I actually, I actually read something about a new high-security prison they'd built in El Salvador, and it is the biggest and most secure prison in the world. So maybe let's not go to El Salvador. Yeah, but surely flights are cheap. Yes, because nobody gets this one way. Hey, they also said that they built the world's largest prison for Pablo Escobar, and we saw how that went. It just seems like yes, it was his house. Exactly, mate. <laughs> hey, no, it's okay. The crime rate in El Salvador plummeted by half in 2022. Oh, that's good. Then we're not going to talk about why. <laughs> <laughs> the prison is the prison's working, or everyone's dead. Either way, yeah, but read into that what you will. They're all trying to find Makiko. I don't blame them. The thing, the thing about players like Mahiko and other players we're going to talk about later on in this series is that because of the way modern football is and, you know, every player needing to run a certain amount of kilometres and, you know, be physical and impose themselves on the game, we're never, ever going to see players like him or the like again, are we? No. No, I think the, the kind of player that he is, we talk about week in, week out as the players who were so talented but didn't make it in the game. Yeah. And they play the exact way he does. Not to the same standard, but it's that dynamic, love for the game, tricky style, but absolutely no work rate. It gets you loved by the fans, but not by... Like The closest I think we've got to it would be Neymar, but every time he gets a touch, he goes down. Like that kind of, That's the thing now, is if you're that good, you're going to get hacked or you're going to get touched and win a free kick. You're, they play smart now. They don't play with a flair anymore. Yeah, this is the thing about Gonzalez. Yeah, we talk about in this podcast how good people like Tarat and Ben Arthur were. This guy is on a nut, like a whole nother level. Like the speed and the ability is like something you've not seen ever before. Like the similarities to Maradona and, like you said, Ronald Dino are frightening. That flip flap skill he does. Yeah, that, like, rather than doing it on the floor. He flicks it up into the air over a defender's head. I've never seen that before. 
I've never seen a man nice opt to put the ball airborne because he has more control over it. Like he just opted to lob a defender and go right. Let's keep it in the air because it's easy. Look, who does that? He has that playing style that the likes of Ronaldinho have, where they know they've beaten you, so they can do whatever they want anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they know it'll come off. Yeah. With no matter where they put the ball, they're getting to it first because you're not seeing it coming. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Don't get me wrong, the standard he's obviously playing against might not be to the same standard that we're going to see nowadays of, of the players like this. And the other thing is, with you know, with how much media coverage there is now, a player like that doesn't go as unnoticed as he does. Yeah. yeah. No, but also, we say the quality is worse, and it is in terms of technical ability. They're still just as likely to two-foot. Yeah, 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 true, true, true. Like, he's, he's not a big guy. He, if he gets caught by one of these hulking centre-arps who has a... Like the red mist has descended after one too many flip flaps. He's getting broken in arm. Yeah, well, think about what but happened. You just can't to, touch him. Think about what happened to Maradona at Barcelona. Every week he'd get lumps kicked out of him. People would be trying to fight him. He obviously left Barcelona in a cloud of controversy after that brawl against Atletico Bilbao, where I think he broke somebody's jaw. Am I right in thinking? Yeah, he did. Yeah. 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 So the, yeah. the game is incredibly physical. And as you say, Ben, this guy's not exactly built. He's got like stick thin legs. The, the other thing is. You say about the quality, but he still, as his goals and assists prove, turned up in the big games against the best teams. Like he's not shying away from that. Yeah, challenge. he did it internationally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And if anything, it's it goes both ways. Like the quality he's playing against is worse, but so is the quality of his teammates. It's not like he's playing in one of these stacked super teams every week. He's playing with the same dross and still managing to perform. Do you feel like? And I think it's, it's a good reason for this part of, uh, you know, this mini-series we're doing, that nowadays we, we are unable to see these kind of mavericks. They just won't exist. Absolutely. Absolutely. They w- you would never, ever see them at the highest level of the game. Like, if you went to, like, the, the lower South American leagues, I think, yeah, you'd see a decent amount of these players. But in the Premier League, La Liga, stuff like that, you are never, ever going to see a player like this again. The game is so regimented and you have to work for the team and run a certain amount of kilometres, things like that. They, they would never, ever get into that team, let alone get into the team and succeed. Can you imagine somebody like him succeeding in like a Pep team? Like even a manager like Pep where, you know, that kind of that expressionism is yeah, and yeah, creativity yeah. Oh, yeah. is encouraged. He still wouldn't get in the team because he doesn't do any running. No. I mean, you look at the, the City bench, it's full of talent, but for that exact reason, they don't make it. It's that like at youth level, it's almost drummed out of you. Yeah. Not necessarily the the flair side, but definitely the if you're not willing to work for the team, you're not. Especially in the European game. I mean, like you said, Dan, at South America, it's a bit different. But over here, you're if you're that kind of player in one of our academies in the UK, you're not going to survive. No, that's that. You're absolutely right. You know, they they look at players now, and you know, you you obviously you won't make it as a professional footballer without hard work. But back in the kind of seventies and eighties. If you had that special something about you, like Mako, you you would get to a decent level just because of how good you were. But there obviously would be that ceiling, especially at El, like if you're playing in El Salvador, that that might be where it's possible. But if you're playing at El Salvador and you're at the top level, no one in Europe's taking a chance on you now. Like, look, they've gone for Endrick because of the amount of media coverage that surrounded him at the age of sixteen that someone had to sign him. But you know. If you're playing top league in El Salvador, your best bet is getting a move to Brazil. But even with someone like Hendrik now, he's that Brazilian flair wonder kid we all know and love. 
but every time they talk about him, they talk about how like committed and driven he is to the yeah. game. Even our typically flair-based players now are fitting into that Eurocentric work ethic first model. Yeah, you're literally and you're signed up at the age of sixteen by a bigger club because obviously I imagine there's a vast amount of money in the game now compared to when they were chucking money. You know, you talk about PSG signing uh, signing Makiko then. I imagine the money they were throwing at him is nothing compared to what they throw him in now. I, I have another question for you, and I, I'm interested to see what your answer is. Do we think if Diego Maradona hadn't have pulled that fire alarm that Barcelona might have taken a chance and Mexico Gonzalez would have gone on to bigger and better things and everyone across the world would know about him? Or or was his lack of effort always going to hold him back? Yeah, like, I think he's dying out within a month. I think they've had enough of him after a month. I was about to say. I think if it's not Maradona doing that, I think he'll do yeah. something that causes the same. Yeah, like effect. a week later, they find him at training, passed out in the ice bath with like fifty bottles of champagne around him. You know, yeah, like a couple of months go by, maybe if he somehow makes it that far, and the new signing magic is kind of worn off. The manager's fed up with you not being at training. So maybe a couple of results haven't gone your way. The same thing's going to happen. It's inevitable. Not only that, but you are in, you know. One of the two teams in the world where your fans can actively hate you whilst you're playing for them. So, you know, if he has one bad game, everyone <laughs> in Barcelona is like, well, let's ship him off to Guatemala. Like, he's gone. As, as a fan, if he joins your club, are you, are you buzzing for this? Or are you like, oh, here we go? I'm getting a season ticket with the option to cancel it as soon as he leaves. <laughs> As I said, I'm so excited for the first like month and a half of the season. I reckon it'd be great. Like as a fan of a lower league club, when you get a big name in on a free transfer, and you're like, this guy does not have the legs for the whole season. But the first like four games, it's going to be some of the best football you've ever seen. I was going to say like, there's a completely different way of looking at it. Like if you if he signed for Arsenal, you're like, you're going to be like, wow, this is great. I get to watch him play with some of the best players. If he signed for Stevenage, you'll be like, what is going on here? This man is oh, not honestly. <laughs> we have just signed God. He would run absolute riot in League One. Oh my god. Like, do you remember when Ilias Chair turned up in when we we're in League yeah. Two then? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, my god. I've <laughs> now I've never seen a player that good at that level before. Like, but the problem is the problem is if you're sticking him in that team, you've still got to watch him. Like for me personally, I've got to watch him try and feed Josh Sargent week in, week out. Like there's there's a downside to him joining your side. Is that what <laughs> you want someone that good? This is literally him joining Khadid, is that he joins these lower level teams and he's got all the ability to be a world beater, but the team around him don't. And he can excel in the Spanish third tier or the English third tier, if we're talking about this. But he will never go any higher. He kind of differs from other Maverick players that we, you know, we might talk about in this series or have talked about previously on this podcast, in that he was never really asked about the money. He just wanted to live life to the fullest and play football because that's what he enjoyed doing. Well, I think the other difference we're talking about uh, this guy here is that he actually genuinely could have been one of the best players ever. Yeah, like yeah. It, 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 people throw around, you know, the talk around Ravel Morrison at the time. We've seen him play at the top tier. He was. <laughs> we've seen him try and forge a career. <laughs> shit, he might have been good in training, whatever. But this guy actually did prove that he was good enough to be a a, a world class player. Like you said, you don't, you don't, you don't take El Salvador to the World Cup by yourself unless you are an extremely gifted player. Yeah, how how many like one 
player nations have we seen? And they've like look at Norway for example. They've got Haaland, Odegaard. Still can't get to a World Cup. Like, yeah, eleven times have we can't seen do it that. Top? Yeah, absolutely. Like the closest I've seen was Gareth Bale do it, and he dragged us as far as he could. And you know, we still had a decent team around him. Like obviously not the best team, but we're not the minnows that El Salvador are. That was the wonderful tale of Jorge and Mahiko Gonzalez. You'd never heard of him before, but he was better than Maradona. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Streets Won't Forget podcast. If you haven't already, please give us a follow on Spotify and a five-star rating. It really helps us out. You can follow us on social media. Our Twitter is at SWF underscore pod. And on TikTok and Instagram, it is Streets Won't Forget podcast. And if you've got anything you want to tell us, your favourite Maverick player, had you ever heard of Paco Gonzalez before, then email us. It is the streets won't forget podcast at gmail.com. Boys, thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure as always. Keep being a wizard, mate. Oh, he's mixed it up. I like it. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>